This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, one of the most gooder podcast hosts you'll ever find, Matt Necrone. And also with me, the Midwest Kraut, Glenn Lodzenheiser. Uh, we're going to get into the show. We have the mailbag and some news, as always. The second half of the show, we are going to go back and look at what we had to say about the 2016 draft class. And update, you know, our opinions, you know, change a little bit of what we said and own up to our mistakes if we made it and praise ourselves for the good calls that we did make. So that's the second half of the show, but let's jump into the first half here with the mailbag. Reg Bannock actually has two really good questions, so we're going to use them both. First one up here. What UDFAs do you think have the best shot at making the team and why? Had this gentleman listen to the episode last week, he would have known that uh, the only one Ryan and I had ever heard of, we actually had Glenn on last week, but, you know, Ryan had that whole thing happen and Glenn got erased. So uh, we all pretty much didn't know anyone other than D'Angelo Brown, I believe, was the D lineman and the wide receiver, uh, Nick Cherry, I believe. I'm not real familiar with any of these guys, but those are the two that stood out to me. Glenn actually has uh, someone else in mind. Glenn? Yeah, Piercing. It looks like seared pig or something like that. Jonah Piercing, uh, P-I-R-S-I-G. He's a, uh, a tackle from the uh, Golden Gophers, I believe. He needs to make the roster so we can say his name all season. Other than that, I, I got nothing else to add. D'Angelo Brown out of Louisville. He's a guy I think is going to make it. I've heard a lot of people start talking about John Green out of UConn. You know, cornerback played on the other side of Obi-Mellon and Fonwu. I've got to watch a little bit of his tape. I haven't got, you know, been too busy to watch all of it, but I've watched a little bit. He's okay. You know, there's, it's not great. He didn't get to play a whole lot, but he did break up 13 passes and a little bit of action that he did see. You know, I don't think that one's terrible. Outside of that, uh, you know, the guys that we already mentioned, there's not really that many that I think. Maybe Kayvon Mabin out of Ball State. He was productive in, in a small school environment. We don't have really that many great wide receivers to talk about. So, you know, that's always a position. Really anybody in those positions where you don't have a lot of depth, that's the best chances of those guys to make it. Or anybody that can really play great on special teams. We just drafted two wide receivers pretty high. Right, that's... and one has one has, is a body catcher and, and the other one is solid. I mean, so still you have You one... mark my words. This body catcher will be our slot receiver for years to come. Write it down. <laughs> All right, I'll write it down. The second question here by Reg Bannock. Do all of J-Rob's draft picks of this year make the team just like last year? Uh, you'd like to think so, but with nine guys coming in, it's not a uh, guaranteed lock. I would say most of them probably have, have their uh, – I guess have it on their side that they that they probably will make it, but um, you know nobody wants to 
draft somebody, especially in the higher rounds or at least the, the midway through, to not make the team. So if some don't, I think even our late round picks like Muhammad was our last pick and even um, Caraway, I think both of them make the team one way or another. I'm not so sure about the linemen just because I don't know anything about them really. I'd say most of them do make the team. However, bringing in nine guys when uh, we already have a pretty decent, solid group around camp coming up. So we'll see what happens. But I, I would say the majority of them do. I think, uh, like Matt just briefly touched on there, I think it's the linemen end up on the practice squad. Most of the other guys are at positions where we need the depth or the position. But I think the linemen, they end up on the practice squad. Yeah, it's possible one of them makes it, but I don't think they both end up making the uh, opening day roster. And that's exactly what I was going to say, is, is I don't think the linemen in this class are going to make the opening day roster. Caraway is another one. If Kevin Dodd is healthy and ready to go, I think that pushes Caraway to practice squad. Uh, but we're getting, you know, from what we're hearing right now, it doesn't look like Dodd will be able to make game one, but we'll see. If he does, I think that pushes Caraway to the practice squad. If he's not healthy, Caraway is going to be on that 53-man roster. I think Caraway brings enough pass rush ability that he actually makes a roster regardless. This is, we, we need that speed off the edge. He, he's a change of pace from what Arakpo and Morgan do. So I, I think he probably makes it. He, he's a more refined player than Wallace was last year. Wallace is really fast, but he had a lot of work to do. I think Caraway's a more established pass rusher. No, I mean, I agree with that. There's... I mean, we have a lot of guys that are coming, and a lot of guys that are going to end that position, I think we're only going to carry four into the 53-man roster. So it's going to get tight. And if Dodd's there, then Dodd's playing, and that leaves one spot. So then it comes down, you know, Caraway and the other guys. But I think that it'll be tough for Caraway to make the team if Dodd's healthy. Initially. I'm not saying throughout his career, but initially. Next one here, Garrett Cole. Will Jonu Smith immediately step in as the second tight end over Supernal over uh, Jay Samaro and company? Uh, by the end of the preseason, I expect so. No doubt in my mind. I don't think Supernal. I hope Supernal doesn't make the team, but he, I'm sure he will. I absolutely agree. You know, he fits the exact same mold of what you're trying to do with Delaney Walker. Why wouldn't you want a guy like that to step in and it, it doesn't take anything out of your game? So easy question there, all three yeses. Josh Ebel asks this one. A little tougher on this one, guys. Uh, J-Rob obviously going to be looking at the waivers for corners. So that's still uh, a position of need for us. So, does any names come to mind as someone likely to get cut from another team that we could possibly pick up in waivers to fill that need? How about we just go ahead and mock the first round of next year's draft instead? Burn. That's It's way too early to guess who's going to fall off the bottom of every other team in the league's roster. I mean, it's not even preseason yet. Get him, Glenn. I got nothing. That was great. Good job. Ryan, go ahead. Put some random names out there. No, there's always – I mean, there's a lot of teams that aren't in this position of us. That's where you're going to look at. Teams that have really good secondaries. Only so many guys are going to make the team. So there's going to be talent that comes out. Most likely veterans. Look for teams that have veteran corners that have high – that are making more money than they're worth, and they have young talent that's cheaper. And really, I, you know, I haven't really gotten the chance to look at every single team yet. It is, like they, Matt and Glenn said, it's really hard to predict what every team's going to do here. I do expect us, however, that we will get at least one guy off the waivers at the cornerback position. Would you guys agree with that? 
we are definitely picking up some scraps for sure. Yes. All right, and that brings us into our next question here. Ronnie Sneed, with the draft over, do you guys think we'll try to sign another linebacker on the inside? No. I think uh, when they made that reduced uh, price deal with Woodyard, I think that's what we decided we were going to do. We were going to move forward with those two guys there in the middle. Hopefully Williamson you know, plays up to his potential finally and, and continues to grow so we can actually move forward with him as, as our true middle linebacker. Uh, we do need that cover guy. I don't know that uh, Woodyard fits that mold, but um, for this year, I think those two are going to be our starters. What he said, I- I'm completely agreement. I yeah, am gooder. If we do, it'll be a camp body kind of thing. It's not going to be anybody um, for real competition. And what about the outside at linebacker? It's deep there, man. I think I don't think we're bringing anybody else in. I think we got plenty of rotation competition. I think Kevin Dodd will actually show up this year. I don't think he was not in action because he was not talented. I think his foot was bothering him. They took care of it. I expect him to not start because we got great guys ahead of him, but definitely I want to see him in a heavy rotation this year. And unless Dodd doesn't play, I don't think there's any real interest in bringing somebody else into fill out that group some more. We already have a couple of cheap backups who can probably play pretty well. So we'll see what happens with Dodd, and they'll just take it from there. That's well put by Glenn, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, That's all we have for the mailbag. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions this week. As always, you can find them on our Facebook page or on the Facebook fan group, Tennessee Titans Uncensored. Let's move on to the news. Not a lot of news right now, uh, but a few things. Titans have yet to announce, but are expected to announce, that John Souge was promoted to the director of college scouting. For those who don't know him, he spent the last 11 years with the Tennessee Titans, the last seven of those as a college scout. Anybody who listened to the show last week or follows the Titans knows that we just fired Blake Bedenfield, so this would be his replacement. You guys have any thoughts on the hiring here? I am sure J. Rob is comfortable with this guy's resume and his ability to get on board with what J-Rob wants to do. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't know anything about either guy, Bettingfield or this new guy. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But hopefully he knows his stuff. He's been around for 11 years. He's not he's not just some kid off the street. So I assume he knows his stuff. And if Robinson made him the guy, he's the guy. Yeah, really the only thing I'd add to this is it kind of surprises me a little bit we didn't go out and, and get an outside hire um, only because John Robinson – has only been here, you know, this is going into his second season. He fired a guy that had been there for quite some time, and now he, he went in and just hired from within, uh, you know, a guy that was hired, you know, in the Rustin Webster era, era or before. And kind of surprised we didn't come out with a guy outside of the Titans. But just like you guys, I respect John Robinson's decisions. I, you know, I have – complete faith in him so i like the hire just because i like john robinson i know he makes smart decisions moving on to the next one a little bit more interesting here guys south point casino in las vegas has released their season win totals for 2017 season they have the tennessee titans winning the division but it's really close they have the titans at nine and a half wins colts at nine wins the texans at eight and a half wins and the Jacksonville Dumpster Fires at five and a half wins. What do you guys think well, about that? Nice increase. Yeah, solid half win there. Yeah, that seems fair. 
I heard Jags about five and a half wins. I think they're going to go over that. It's about time they do. It's hard, man. I think everybody's going to be better in this division. But nine and a half, I mean, everybody's saying we, we should get ten wins. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty fair line to throw out there. And obviously, Vegas wins more than it loses. So, they know what they're doing. But um, the one thing that kind of surprised me a little bit is they had the Colts a half game ahead of the Texans. You know, if you went with most pundits and experts right now, I think most would pick the Texans to win the division, even though I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Just like Matt said, though, I think everybody in this division got better. I think they all had at least good drafts, or at least decent drafts. They all looked like they did decent jobs throughout the offseason, really, which sucks to say because I just want the Colts, Jags, and Texans just to be the Browns you know, every year, but I think it's going to be a competitive division. I think every team got better. Yeah, the Texans have the we... biggest question at quarterback, so that's going to end up knocking them down. What's the other division we play? We play the AFC North, and who else? NFC West. Because, you know, obviously the division plays each other twice, and then we got those teams, and then, uh, what is it, like two random games? Those divisions aren't great, but I do think that overall body of work, I, I could honestly see everyone in this division at least getting one win. I mean, that's kind of far-fetched to say, but I, I, I do see a big jump in everybody. In Jacksonville particularly, the main thing they have to do is get their own line fixed. If they can do that, you know, five wins isn't much. I, I we were, you know, three wins two years ago, and, and look at the turnaround we made. Or two wins. What were we, two wins? No, we were three wins. You were right. Don't even remember. I'm so far past that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one here. Um, interesting. Former Tennessee Titan Michael Orr is, was uh, cited for assaulting an Uber driver. Allegedly what happened is, you know, Michael Orr and the Uber driver getting into an argument uh, then they stop at a gas station, which was just a pit stop on their route, their intended route of where they were going to end up. And while some of the people in the car went inside the gas station or pushed the Uber driver to the ground and then kicked him in the leg, that's when people that were still in the car came out and pushed Orr away from him before he could do any more damage. That's the alleged story. Any thoughts on this, guys? It's probably the best block he's ever made. Don't even refer to him as a former Titan. <laughs> all, all those horrible, you know, he blindsided him jokes and shit like that. It's a non-story to me. I don't care. Obviously, it's a chance to make fun of Michael Orr, you know, who was a terrible Titan. But other than that, whatever. I really thought about making the blindsided joke, too, but I was like, it's too easy. It's it's. I have more respect for my craft than that, so I couldn't it, do it. Was, it was funny the first time I thought about it. And after that, I was done with it. I do like your joke, though. Best block you ever made. I like that. <laughs> and the last piece of news this is also not really a news story, but interesting. Jay Cutler, of course, announces that he will retire from football and he is going to become an announcer. They just announced that his first broadcast game, the first time he's going to be in the booth, will be the Titans preseason matchup with the Bears. So not a big news story, but you know, not a lot of news going on. But interesting you know, that we'll have... Be able to see Jay Cutler in his first game uh, as a broadcaster. I would say there's any butthurt coming at him from this. We basically get a first row seat to a fucking snooze fest. That dude has no personality and why he got a job anywhere broadcasting, I have no idea. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, so, some guys are just no personality with the media, but you know, once they switch, he might be able to turn it on. We'll see. I wouldn't say really, the idea. But. No. I mean, I really hope he just like lights up a sig during you know the game. <laughs> 
Yeah, it'll be interesting what he has to say about his former team. I think that's going to be the most interesting part, watching his first game, is if he takes any shots, if he says anything disparaging. You know, he probably won't, but I'll be hoping that he does say something. Yeah, it would be awesome if he'd come out there and be a dick to, you know, his former team like he was whenever he was on the team. Right, just because he's known as being that guy, it would be awesome for him to come out and just rip, you know, the organization a new one. But anyway, that's... All of the news, or lack thereof, I'm sure we'll have more news coming down the pike, but just right now is a slow season until we get into official mini camps and preseason and training camp, obviously. So that's all we have for the first half of the show. When we come back, as promised, we're going to get into this regrading of the 2016 draft. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to 2TONE Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. you listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, we're back from that quick commercial break. Now let's get into it here. We're going to regrade the draft from the 2016. So how this is going to work is I'm going to remind you guys of some of the things that you had to say about the picks as we go through. And, you know, see if you think you called it right. Uh, see if you changed your mind on the player. And we'll see how it works out. So first one up, obviously. First round, eighth overall pick, Jack Conklin, tackle, out of Michigan State. Matt, you're up first here. You were upset that we traded up to get him. Uh, You said you liked the player, you liked the pick here, but you thought we should have waited where we were and got Taylor Decker instead. So how do you feel about that now? I believe the route I was traveling was we could have waited where Taylor Decker was selected, maybe Conklin could have been there, although speculation says that the New York Giants were eyeing Conklin as well. So, no, the only reason I was upset about trading up was because we had to give up our second round this year. That was my only gripe about the pick. Um, I liked him. Taylor Decker, I'm not even sure how his 
rookie campaign went, but obviously he's not an all pro. So, uh, obviously I enjoy Jack Conklin and I'm going to enjoy him for years to come. All right, Glenn, the big thing is you like the pick. You did say you like the pick here, but you did want Tunsil. And that was the big thing of, of what you had to say was wanting Laramie Tunsil over Conklin. How do you feel about it now? You know, until I see Tunsil play left tackle at some point, there's really no way to judge them against each other. You know, Con- Conklin was a beast. Uh, I couldn't be happier with how he played this year. So, you know, I'm still happy with him. I don't think I would take Tunsil at this point over him just based on what we saw. I mean, he came in, stepped up as a rookie, and played the whole season and played like a boss. I mean, there's absolutely nothing to complain about his performance this year. All right, and then for myself, I also wanted Tunsil. I don't think that's any surprise for anybody who listens to the show regularly. Uh, Me and Glenn were big proponents of Larry Tunsil last year. Uh, But I did say I liked Conklin far more than I liked Decker. I didn't think they were as close as people were rating them. Uh, So I I will go back on my statement of liking Tunsil more, obviously. Even though I haven't seen him play left tackle, I did see Jack Conk play tackle, and it doesn't get much better than what I saw. On the right side, Jack Conklin was absolutely amazing. He's an all-pro. And, like, the all-pro vote, he got, like, 27 votes for first place at right tackle, and second place was, like, six votes. I mean, he was that dominant this year as a rookie. And I stand by my decision to say Conklin is far better than Decker. I think the Decker had a good year. He wasn't terrible, but wasn't an all-pro either. The value to stay there and see what you could get with somebody like Decker was, is all I said. I don't. I was never big on Decker. It was just the you next best Decker. thing. Yeah, it's okay. No, you you no, definitely. Geez. I think that you definitely were uh, leaning that you liked Conklin more than Decker, but you didn't think that you thought that you would have rather sat and got Decker than gone right, uh, traded right. up and got Conklin. Yeah, it's a value thing, but I mean, looking back, it's obviously the better move. It worked out pretty Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. So first one. Looks like John Robinson might be a better talent evaluator than us three. But there's still a lot of picks left, guys. We can come back and prove J-Rob wrong. (laughs) Second round pick, our first of many second round picks here. 33rd overall, Kevin Dodd, linebacker out of Clemson. Matt, you said that you wanted Miles Jack here, but you weren't upset that we got Dodd. Obviously, being a Clemson guy, you said you knew what we were going to get, and you were okay with the pick here. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, even as a Clemson fan, all I was was just okay with the pick there. I didn't think that he was the right guy at that at number 33. So far, he's proven me right. Uh, hopefully, he definitely turns it around. I know what he is. He's very he, – well, at Clemson, he was very consistent. When he played, he played around good players, but he was also that guy that always produced. So, hopefully, that's what we get from him. There were guys, Miles Jack being one of them, that I would have rather have selected there. It would have panned out better last season, for sure, obviously, because he didn't play. But even guys like Noah Spence from Eastern Kentucky, I thought he would have been a better fit for what we were trying to do. But um, Dodds, he's not a real exciting guy, but he's he's definitely able to be a steady producer, and hopefully that's what we get out of him. All right, as for Glenn, your biggest question with this was taking Dodd over Miles Jack and over Jalen Smith, uh, but you did like the pick of Dodd here. You still sticking thought, with what you said last year? Well, now that I haven't seen him play at all, I don't know. I wanted, with this pick, I wanted Hunter Henry, the tight end. But I said if we are going to go defense, I want, I'd rather have Jack or even Jalen Smith. I think Miles Jack proves this year that he would have been the better pick. 
you know, in hindsight, because we had no way to know that Dodd was going to miss basically the whole season. Obviously, if you're going to not have him play all year, you'd rather have Miles Jack, I think, and have the more explosive talent, the more proven player, and wait a year to get him than have Dodds. I think I would still take Jack before I would take Dodd. And I would rather have Hunter Henry before I would take Dodd. Dodd wasn't real high on my list, but he's a, he's a guy that I believe can come in and contribute because uh, he reminds me a lot of Derek Morgan. So I think he can be a contributor and a good player, but I think Jack would have been a much more impactful player you know, this coming season than what we were going to get out of Dodd. I was a little bit weary of of Miles Jack because of the um, the ability of re-injury is going to be high. Uh, and of Jalen Smith because of you know the the dead tissue. I'm still I still feel similar to that. I still feel like that's pretty true. But I also liked Kevin Dodd more than either of you did uh, at the time that we drafted him. Uh, obviously, I did not know that he was going to be the one that that injury is going to be a problem with as well. Really has shown that it has been a big problem for him so far as a Titan. I also said that Dodd needs to get a bigger bag of tricks, uh, but should make an easy transition. And I still believe that he needs to improve, uh, you know, get more moves when you're coming around the outside. As for the easy transition comment, you know, he's been so injury riddled so far in his, in his very short career that it's been hard to tell if if the transition's going to be easy or not. I mean, yeah, he did have a sack last year, but he also barely played and. You know, so I guess really the jury's still out on Kevin Dodd if he's going to be a bust or if he's going to be you know a piece of this team that we look forward to for years to come. Let me throw this in quick with Glenn's comparison to Derek Morgan. I think like everybody, and I may be wrong. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, I feel like everybody is waiting for Derek Morgan to get pushed out, like he's an old man or something. He's not old at all. But we're everyone's waiting for his replacement and. Dodd being like the, the carbon copy of, of Morgan that he is, I don't know that anyone's going to be happy with that. That's kind of why I questioned the pick there. I'm not sure how how old Morgan is. I think this is like his sixth season. God willing, he's he's going to play for, you know, at least four or five more years. So he still has a lot of football in front of him, but I just feel like everybody's waiting for him to get pushed out of the door for the next guy to come up and take his job. The, the general impression of him is that he's replaceable. Now, he played really well last year. He played better, I think, last year than he did the two years before that. But he doesn't feel like he's an ascending star kind of player. He's just – he's pretty good. Well, even when we re-signed him, he, I remember he visited Tampa Bay. But, like, the only reason we really went after him was because there was no one else available at the time. Yeah. Yeah, see, I get the feeling that a lot of fans do feel that way, that you said, Matt. I don't at all feel that way. I think a lot of fans look at production only – and obviously, Arakbo's more productive, but like we've said a million times on the show before, Arakbo's coming off an edge where Jarrell Casey's in front of him. Derek Morgan doesn't have that. Not saying that I think that Derek Morgan's as good as Arakbo is, but I think Derek Morgan has the ability to be a very productive football player. You just need someone on that defensive line that can help him out and make him a very productive football player. Luke. Yeah, that's why I, uh, I was thinking we needed to go defensive end earlier in the draft than we did. That's exactly why I was saying Jonathan Allen would have been a good pick because he would have given Morgan that inside piece to work with the way that Klug and Casey do. I, that's why I thought that those two guys together would have been a great pairing. You know, We'll see what comes of it. 
obviously the way the draft went, we went in a completely different direction with our approach this year. So oh, yeah. I'm not going to question Jay Rob. I just want to see how it works. Absolutely. Let's move on to the next pick here, guys. Still saying in the second round, the 43rd overall pick. We went with Austin Johnson, defensive tackle out of Penn State. Matt, you said you were surprised. That was the first thing you had to say. Is it surprised you? You didn't expect this pick. You also said you would have liked Vernon Butler better, but you still thought it was a good pick. Yeah, I can repeat that statement again because it did surprise me. I didn't think we'd go D-tackle with that pick for all the needs we had. Believe it or not, we still needed cornerbacks last year. We didn't take one there. I can't remember who all was available, obviously, other than what you just said, Vernon Butler, which so far I would rather have Vernon Butler than Austin Johnson. But uh, he's another guy that hasn't panned out quite yet. That doesn't mean he's done. I think he will improve this season. I think if he doesn't, if he, if he has another year like last year, I don't see him sticking around too much longer. All right, and Glenn, you said this was your favorite pick uh, out of the first four picks that we made you also said he would start over woods sooner rather than later and that you liked him better than you liked vernon butler yeah i've been wrong before happened again <laughs> uh, yeah uh, honestly i don't know what went on with him it, it kind of felt like he didn't show up to play uh during the preseason didn't earn that spot because i think he still was a better talent than uh, Woods and whenever we let Woods go I thought for sure it was his time to step up and then we brought in Sylvester who doesn't really you know do it for me either so I, I don't know what the deal is I'd kind of like to see them move him out to defensive end if they're going to bring Sylvester in because I, I do think that Morgan needs a more impactful player at that other defensive end spot just, just to help him out in his pass rush I don't get it I still think Austin Johnson has the ability to be a really good uh, defensive lineman. I just don't know what his problem is. I don't know if he can't get motivated or he got paid and got fat and lazy or what. But, I mean, he hasn't made a big contract yet, so he needs to step it up and earn it. Because I think, you know, if, if he has another showing this year like he did last year, he's probably off the roster next year. As for me, I said I didn't like him when we first took him. But as I watched more and more of his tape, I started to like him more and more. Uh, I did think he needed to improve in his hands. That powerful first punch is something he didn't possess. His leverage consistency, I, I said he wasn't a player that played high, but sometimes he got high in certain situations. I thought he needed to work on that. Uh, but I did say he was a hard worker. You know, that I'm not 100% sure about. He obviously was in college. It's what you heard from every coach that he had, players that played with him, was how hard of a worker he is. You know, that's making me start to question a little bit because you're not hearing that kinds of things about him anymore. You're not seeing the you know, production. You're not seeing him get chances on the field. So it's starting to make you question Austin Johnson. You know, obviously one year is not nearly enough to paint a picture of his career. So we'll see what happens down the road. Still have high hopes for the kid, obviously. Uh, but so far from what we've seen, you know, he's not quite the hard worker, I think, that he was made out to be, at least so far in his first year. Yeah, I don't think Malarkey's been impressed with his attitude. I think that was the main thing about uh, his playing time. All right, guys, let's move on to maybe the most surprising pick of this draft. Second round, 45th overall, we take Derrick Henry running back out of Alabama. And, Matt, this one you said shocked you. Uh, you didn't want a running back in any round is what you said at first, but after you thought about it, you really, really liked this pick. You started to fall in love with the pick more and more. How do you feel about it now? 
pretty much the same way. I was I was very smart back then, and, and here I am today. So, no, I, I think I just brought this up the other week about how I didn't want anyone because the class this year was so strong. But at that time, he, he didn't win me over from that standpoint because I still thought that this year's class you know stood out way better than than he or anyone else in last year's class. But um, like I said a few weeks ago, I, I think that. He has won me over. I would much rather have him moving forward than uh, any of these other guys just because the potential is there, and I think he's he's in a great situation. So um, you can basically put that statement on rewind and play it back. All right, Glenn, uh, what you had to say about this pick is you thought we were going with a defensive back. You liked ProSize more later in the draft to wait on a running back until later and get C.J. ProSize. You also liked... Cody Whitehair here, the guard better. You said he was the best guard in this draft class. How do you feel about it now? I think those are still fair statements. It's not that I would like ProSize better than Henry. Henry really impressed me a lot from... I, I think my biggest problem with Henry was all the people talking about taking him at the top of the draft, you know, early first round pick, and so obviously that was not a smart pick. You know, we got him much later. We, he was a very good value when we did get him. I think uh, Whitehair would have done a lot of good for our offensive line, but our offensive line turned out to do pretty good for itself anyway. So, you know, I'm okay with that. I would have liked a defensive back. I think we could have really used that help last year. You saw the disaster that our secondary was and how good we were. If if we already had a young cornerback in-house and trained up to go with this offseason that we've had this year, we would all feel a lot stronger about our secondary at, at this point. Whereas, you know, as much as we love Henry, you know, he really showed us some things this last season. We've got DeMarco Murray in there, so we, we're not worried about our running game anyway. He, he does make you feel better about the future. You don't have to look at running back at all. We took a running back in the seventh round, and we're all just fine with it because it doesn't matter. You know, that's, that's how good the position has been addressed at this point. I still think secondary would have been the right pick, but I'm okay with Henry because... He's shown me enough that I think he's going to be the future. All right, and as for myself, I said I was shocked by the pick. Uh, Just like Glenn, I wanted a defensive back. I I was in love with his production in college. I was also a little scared about his workload um, in college because how many times he carried the ball while he was at Alabama. Uh, You know, but coming in as a backup running back, he didn't have to see too much production in his first season. So a lot of that now is kind of it's alleviated a little bit more. I know he'll still be a backup running back this year. You know, maybe add a couple of years to the end of his career that, you know, the years that were taken away while he was at Alabama, carrying the ball, you know, 40 times a game at certain points. Uh, and also said that it builds an identity on offense. And I stand by that statement. It really, bringing in him and DeMarco Murray really, gave us an identity. And then, of course, with the help of Jack Conklin in this draft and, and getting Ben Jones in free agency, helped us build this identity as a smash-mouth football team and, and really gave us something to look forward to. And now I stand by that statement. It, it's obviously that that's true. Yeah, to your point, uh, before DeMarco got brought in and before this last year's draft, we had Antonio Andrews as our starter with David Cobb, Bishop Sankey, and, and McCluster. So, I mean, look at the huge difference we are at right now in, in one year. Yeah, one offseason we made running back the strength of the team. Just boom, right there. 
Yeah, we went from one of the worst running back groups in football to definitely one of the best. Definitely a huge move. Uh, but moving on here, now we're getting finally getting out of the second round, into the third round. 64th pick overall, Kevin Byer, the safety out of Middle Tennessee. Matt, you said at the time he was picked you didn't know anything about him, but you fell in love with him watching his tape after the pick. Right then on the show you declared he would be a starter. You know, How do you feel about this one? Fucking right, man. Byard's my boy. Byard's probably my favorite defensive back on the team. Definitely, as a rookie, stepped in right away, performed. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, I see a really bright future for him. He's definitely one of my favorite players on the team. All right, Glenn, you said you were surprised by this pick, uh, but you said, in your words, definitely a Dick LeBeau guy. You did have some guys that you liked a little better, though. Uh, you liked Low Raven Clark, the tackle. You said even though that we got a tackle early in this draft, getting another one here wouldn't hurt. And uh, Kyler Falkler, the outside linebacker, is another guy you liked here a little bit better than Bayard. I'm still not completely comfortable with our depth on offensive line. I, I think the the late round picks that we got helped. We also did some other moves, like we got Klein, you know, after the draft, so that helped answer some of those questions. We replaced Warmack. So they made the offensive line less of an issue the way things turned out. We also traded DGB after the draft to get Dennis Kelly. I know we did. Yeah. You know, we made moves to address my concern later on, and it worked out okay. You know, the, the offensive line performed pretty decently. Byard had a really good season. Didn't see the ball hawking skills and the, you know, just showing up in the right spot like we were all expecting to see. Because when you watched his tape afterwards, he was a playmaker. He didn't make a lot of plays, but he, he did okay. Uh, he did have one sack, no interceptions, uh, didn't get his hands on a lot of balls. I'm hoping this year uh, he's a little bit more freed up to play safety. It helps that he won't be rotating with uh, Johnson this year. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it. I, I'm hoping that the arrow continues to point up because he played really well as a rookie. I'm hoping this year he puts game-changing turnover machine into his resume yeah he was more of a short tackler than he was a ball hawk but yeah now that which we, is the now, concern right that he's now a bad tackler <laughs> yeah yeah go figure now that we have cyprian though i think that's really going to free him up that's my hope too as for me uh, i had i was the only one of the three of us that was familiar with Bayard. And it was only because i had written an article about the deep sleepers in this draft that i really liked and, and kevin Bayard was one of them but I had him going in the fifth round, maybe the fourth. But the fifth round is where I, I penciled him in at, and we got him in the third, which was a little high. The things I didn't like about him was he was an ankle biter, an ankle tackler. I wasn't impressed with the – he didn't have a lot of missed tackles in college, but he also didn't play a lot of good teams, and he aims low. He didn't square up and get good tackles. That scared me. But the one thing I loved about him, he has a high football IQ, and I still stand by that. I think Kevin Byard's a smart kid. Do you still think he's an ankle biter? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him square up more and really take, you know, solid tackles uh, definitely more than he does. I still think he is a bit of an ankle biter. I, I feel like he tackled pretty pretty shortly. He, uh, I don't have stats in front of me. I'm not going to look him up either. But that, that's one thing that stood out to me was how good of a tackler he was this past season. I think maybe because your negative persuasions is probably what had me looking down on it. But he, he actually <laughs> – from from what his uh, pre-draft analysis was, we were expecting this you know free-range ball hawk, and that's not really what we got. He can still do that stuff. We just haven't seen it yet. 
I think he showed more of his other other side of his game that is also very important. No, I mean he's not a terrible tackler, but he doesn't square up. I mean he missed quite a few tackles where if he was just squared up, I think he would have had the guy. Even though he's not a big guy, he needs to square up and break down and make contact rather than dive at a tackle. But I don't think there's really now anybody that was on our team last year. I'll say that that's uh, plays a safety position that's really that great of a tackler. Guys, next pick. We didn't have a fourth-round pick in this draft, so we're going to move on to the fifth round here and the first of our two fifth-round picks. At 140th overall, Tajay Sharp, wide receiver out of UMass. Matt, you were uh, you really like this pick. You said the guy has awesome hands, catches everything in front of him. You said he's not the fastest guy, he's not the strongest guy, uh, but he has great hands, he always makes the catch. And you were really, really big on Tajay Sharp. Yeah, the hype was there early in the year. He kind of fell off a little before midway. But this is going to be his year, do or die. I'm not saying that he's going to get cut if he doesn't step up, but he's definitely going to lose his spot to Taiwan Taylor if he doesn't do what's expected and, and really show out this camp. Glenn, your big thing was the guy has small hands, and you let everybody know last year that small hands don't matter, that this guy's still going to be productive. You said it was a really good pickup. Yeah, I'd stand by that. I think, you know, for being a fifth-round player, we got decent return on it. Uh, he faded as the season went on. I don't know if that was lacking enough strength to hold up underneath the pressure or just teams figured out how to play him. He's not a dynamic athlete. You know, there, there's no real explosion to him. He, he's His thing was that he goes for the ball, he fights hard for the ball, he's got really sure hands. And I think that given what we've done in the draft this year, we've pushed him down to that fourth guy, and he just doesn't have the athletic ability to get past the guys in front of him, I don't believe. So he he may have seen his time as a starter come to an end already because he had a shot last year. He didn't do enough to convince them that they didn't need to go out and draft two more guys. That's the biggest thing. Absolutely. I said that I think he needs to bulk up. I thought of a lot of his problems could be fixed by getting bigger. Now, he did get a little bigger. I believe he was like 195, 196 uh, coming out. Now listed at 201 pounds. So he did get a little bigger. I was hoping he'd get closer to that 210 line. You know, especially playing across the middle, it helps to have a little bit of size on you to, to absorb those hits. I think a lot of it falling off is... When you go make the jump, especially from a school like UMass to the NFL, but you're also making a jump from like, you know, what, 12 games a season to 16 games a season. And, you know, if your team makes the playoffs, obviously that continues. But that's a big jump. I mean, you're not only jumping talent level, but the season gets four games longer, three games longer, depending on if you had a bowl game or not. That's that's a big difference. You know, people I don't think realize how big of a difference three games on an end of season or four games on the end of season, how big that has on the wear and tear on your body. I think that has a lot to do with Tajay Sharp. I expect the kind of work ethic that he has. I expect him to really fight for his spot, to fight for that slot receiver spot. Not saying he'll make it or not. Uh, you know, like Glenn said, he's not a dynamic player. But he does have a really good work ethic. That was something that really impressed me about this kid through his first year. And I think he will fight tooth and nail to try to keep his spot on this team. We'll see if it happens or not. But I I stand by what I said. I think he still needs to add a little bit of weight. And I said I thought it was a solid pick. And I still think that is a solid pick in the fifth round. Yeah, he's he's got a great attitude. He's already posted some videos of him practicing this this, uh, summer. 
I think that he's, you know, he's obviously not a number one. He's, and he's probably not even a number two receiver at his best, but he's a pretty damn good three when he, when he wants to be. And to have him as our four, if that's how it plays out, you know, if he improves even slightly, I think that's a damn good number four. Moving on, our second pick of the fifth round, 157th overall, we got LaShawn Sims, cornerback out of Southern Utah. Matt, the first thing you had to say about this guy is it was a Dick LeBeau pick. Uh, it fit what Dick LeBeau likes to do. Big corner, and he's good in the bump and run. And how do you feel about him now? That's another guy. I mean, a lot like this past draft, if they're not in the maybe first three rounds, I probably don't know who you are, minus you know a few guys here and there. He was one of them. Where did he play? Southern Utah, I think. I've never seen him play at that point from what I have seen this past season. I know the staff likes him. That Chicago Bear game scared the hell out of me with him. Definitely was a liability there, but has shown improvements since then. I think that moving forward, he's going to be a part of this team, whether we like it or not. Like we said earlier in the show, we probably do go through go through some other team's garbage to see if we can bring somebody in to uh, surpass him. But he's a young kid. He's got a lot of talent. Probably a little more upside than than actual current on the field production that we're going to see from him. But I do like him for for moving forward for where we are right now. I don't think we're set at that position, and I don't think he's our answer at that position. But um, hopefully, he changes my mind and, and he can earn a spot. All right, Glenn, you said. Sims also a guy with small hands, so you said that you were going to start calling him and Taze Sharp, the small hands team sponsored by Donald Trump, uh, which I liked a lot. And then you liked the pick because it fits Dick LeBeau's system. I stand by that. He, he played more towards the end of the season. Once Cox was gone, once it was obvious that Blake was not going to be the answer, they gave him some chances. He's not a blazing fast guy. But he, he's a good press guy. He, he's somebody who can come out there and add some physical ability to your secondary. It looks to be like he's going to be the second or third corner this year. It just depends on you know, what they do with Jackson. I think Jackson you know, obviously is a more dynamic and physically capable corner. But I don't know if he's just too raw to push Sims out of the starting rotation. I think we see a lot of uh, cornerback rotation or a lot of matchup-based depth. They're, they're going to have to do what they have to do with these guys to match up against other teams. We don't have a secondary yet that we can line up out there and say every week, just come out here and do what you can because we're going to play these guys and there's nothing you can do about it. We, we've got a lot of work to do with our secondary still. I'm hoping Sims is a part of that. You know, His interception to win the game late in the year, that was impressive. That was a big moment for him. and I, I think he's got the ability to move up some more, but he's probably skill-wise, physical ability, going to max out at about a slot, big nickel kind of guy more than ever really be your true starter at a outside cornerback. I said the one thing I didn't like about him is he was not a factor in the running game uh, at all in college, and that was something I don't think he really you know changed my mind too much about. But I did like the pick. I liked the big corner. I liked his physicality. And, you know, looking back at tape from him this year as a Titan, I was impressed with his ability to stick with a guy in man coverage. The only problem is is he never gets his hand around. So you never get the contested catches because he's not looking where he needs to be looking in order, you know, to make a play on the catch. 
That was a problem for me and with him this year. So I still like the pick a lot because it's a fifth-round corner. I mean, how often are you going to make a big hit on a fifth-round corner? I still think he's a solid player for getting him that late in the draft. You know, So I stand by what I said. I still like him. I still like how big he is and uh, how good he is in the bump and run. He just needs to turn that head around more often. You know, I said last year he's probably our best press and mirror guy. We just didn't have any man defensive corners last year, which I thought was an issue going into the season. And then we started trying to run man with a bunch of zone corner type players. And it just it didn't make any sense to me that we went out there and brought in a bunch of you know fast zone corners who can't really cover people man to man. And we, we saw it with Blake getting smoked all the time. It didn't make any sense what we did with our secondary last year. I'm not real sure what we're doing with our secondary this year because while I like Adoree Jackson, he doesn't have that man cover ability yet. they got a lot of footwork to do. Before you erased my uh, offerings last week, I said that he, he plays corner like a track star. He's got to learn how to move his feet, learn when to turn and run with people. He's just trying to get ahead of them and win the race, and that's not how you play corner in this league. You know, and I think Sims is very good at the press side of it, but he can't play off man. He's not an explosive enough athlete for playing a lot of zone. So he has value. Just I'm still not sure what we're doing with our secondary. All right, let's move on to the next one here, to the sixth round pick at 193 overall. Sebastian Tretola, guard out of Arkansas. And Matt, you liked him more than, than me or Glenn did. Uh, you thought he was going to end up being a fourth rounder, and he slid, obviously, all the way to the sixth round. And you thought that he would possibly be the starter at, at guard going into the season. Yeah, obviously wrong on that. At that point in time, I don't believe we had a guy. It was Quentin Spain or somebody else. And Spain filled the filled the hole up pretty nicely. So, yeah, he lacks the pass blocking. He's a good run blocker, but even then, I don't, I'm not sure. He he might have played, what, one game this past season? If he played more than that, I didn't see it. You got to see more. I I had high hopes for him, but he didn't get his opportunities, and we didn't need him, really. But uh, hopefully he improves, and we can use him as some depth this year. All right, Glenn, obviously you said not a pass blocker, but great in the run blocking, and you like the attitude. I believe you said he's a guy that will go in there and rip your arm off and beat you to death with it was your exact quote, I believe. Uh, so That's how do you feel about him now? Yeah, I think he's the same guy. Uh, we never saw any change really in his game to convince us otherwise. We didn't see much of him. Curious to see in spring ball what they've done with his footwork and his ability to react to the pass rush and how he you know, plays the pass rush because we, we didn't see anything of him last year. He just he never really cracked the field. And it spoke more about how raw he was than anything else. It wasn't a question of we had great depth. It's just he wasn't ready to contribute yet. So I'm hoping that he's done a lot of work this offseason, and uh, he comes in here ready to challenge for that spot. As for myself, uh, you know, I was impressed by his his run blocking. He was first team All-SEC, which impressed me. Uh, he was a guy that excelled on one-on-one power blocking. He handled uh, Alabama's two – they had two – defensive tackles last year coming out that were both impressive players both went pretty high in the draft and he had a great game against them if you want to go back and look at some college tape of Trey Toll I highly recommend the Alabama game because he looked like a monster in that one Uh, but I also thought he was a very poor pass blocker and he wasn't athletic I still stand by that you know it kind of showed in this from what we have seen of him that's 
evidently true. He's not athletic. He's not a good pass blocker because of that. But he is still a good downhill road grader kind of guy and run blocking, but definitely not the guy you want out there if you're dropping back quarterback. And he's a guy you can bring in for like goal line plays and just grind the ball forward. Absolutely. Uh, and we had two seventh-round pick here, guys. The first one, at 222nd overall, Aaron Wallace, linebacker out of UCLA. Matt, you said you were not happy with this pick at all. You thought that Lou Spanos was a big contributing factor of why we went and got Aaron Wallace, and you didn't like the fact that he was very raw. Yeah, there was probably, and I don't know who, but probably somebody that I was looking forward to, to taking in his place. Again, not much to say about him, positive or negative. I think the coaches like him, so there's got to be something there. We have a thing for UCLA linebackers, apparently, so more power to him. I root for everybody that's wearing the Titans jersey. I thank God every day that Jameis Winston is not a Titan because he's probably the only one that I wouldn't have been able to support. But everybody else is pretty much good in my book. Once we take them, you know, they're Titans first and foremost, so. Again, I don't really know what the coaches see in him because I haven't seen much from him, but from everything I hear, coaches love him. All right, Glenn, what you had to say about Aaron Wallace, almost no playing experience, but did improve a lot as the season wore on. You thought he had a lot of potential. You also thought that this was a potential third-round pick if Rustin Webster was still the general manager. How do you feel about him now? I stand by the evaluation that Rustin Webster would have taken him much earlier uh, because he has a lot of physical gifts. He's, he brings a lot of speed to the linebacking group, and it was just a question of can they mold that into a football player as, instead of just an athlete. Uh, we didn't get to see much of him last year. He only had 14 tackles, and he had a sack. I think this year we'll see more of him in a rotation, but he's he's depth. He's a seventh-round pick, so if he still makes the roster and you're playing him, then that's a good seventh-round pick. All right, as for myself, uh, I thought he was raw and he had a low football IQ. Passes the measurables test, uh, but not a good player. Struggled against talented programs when he had to play them. Uh, had his best games against weak talent. Also easily fooled, and that comes with that low football IQ. Was just didn't seem to get in position when he needed to be. And from what I saw from Aaron Wallace, I, he didn't change my opinion. Uh, I know the coaches seemed to like him. And from what I, I watch him on tape, I just I can't see why the coaches do like him. I, like even on his best plays, he plays okay. He does seem to get out of position a little too often. He doesn't make the plays that he should be making. He doesn't get in the uh, gaps when you need him to. He's he's decent in coverage for what we had last year. You know, which just makes him like the world's tallest circus midget. You know, we didn't have anybody that could guard a tight end last year in our linebacking core. You know, I'm still not impressed with the guy. and still not impressed with the pick. My mind doesn't change here. Unless he's done an awful lot, you know, the offseason, there's a chance he doesn't make the roster, you know, year two. Absolutely. That was a great analogy, Ryan. He knows a lot about circus midgets. Tall ones. (laughs) Mr. Irrelevant, our last pick, number 253 in the draft. Kalen Reed, defensive back out of Southern Mississippi. Matt, you said that you liked him more than you liked Sims. You mentioned that Pro Football Focus said he was the sixth-ranked defensive back in the draft, uh, and you said that he would definitely make the team. Yeah, and he did not. He made the practice squad. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, man. I, I, From what I saw in college, I was impressed with 
especially where we got him. I thought that was a steal. I don't know why he hasn't moved up on the depth chart. There's obviously a reason. I mean, I'm not in the facility. I don't get to see everything. But for what we had last year, especially with Cox, Blake, even moving forward, Bryce McCain's probably a, a reliable option as far as what we have. So why not give this kid a shot? I don't, I don't get why he hasn't moved up. Again, I'm not there. I don't know. Somebody can tell me, I hope. But uh, I think he's going to grow with the team. Uh, at least that's my hopes. As for Glenn, you said that he shouldn't have fell this far. You thought he was going to be taken in the round prior, uh, or maybe even higher than that. Uh, you also said that you think he's going to be a contributor, but not a starter. Yeah, I mean, just because, you know, I think you should be taken in the sixth round doesn't mean I think he should be a starter. Now, on last year's squad, as bad as our secondary was, almost anybody could be a starter. We proved that. We started Valentino Blake. I, I think he has the potential, but like I said last year, he doesn't strike me as someone who's going to regularly be on the field starting for you. He's going to show up in your you know, your dime and your dollar sets. Uh, he's just he, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to beat anybody out to be on the field on second and third down on a regular basis. For me, uh, I sort of like the pick here. I liked his ball skills. He had good hands. Uh, I like that. I thought he was more of a safety than a corner. I thought he could bulk up and play free safety just by his tendencies. He likes to keep his eyes in the backfield. Obviously more of a safety thing than a corner thing. Uh, but the one thing I didn't like about him is he takes chances. He was kind of boom or bust. Taking chances at you know a smaller school might not be that big of a deal. In the NFL, it's a difference between an incompletion and a touchdown. You know, I wasn't overly enthralled, but I did like the pick here. So for overall grades, guys, for the entire draft, every single one of us, gave this draft a B-plus grade. Would you change that? Would you go higher or go lower, or would you stay where you were? I mean, I wouldn't really change it much. I'd, I'd probably just – I'm happy with the overall class. However, to not get production out of two of your second-round picks, that's big. However, the potential is still there. I haven't given up on either of those guys to stay. I mean – I'm not going to drop it down to a C, but, I mean, to be different, I can say it'll be a B-. minus. We did well enough. I mean, I was actually, as we've been doing this show, I've been thinking about, I was excited a lot more about the top end of our draft uh, last year. Part of it's just we didn't have a bunch of second-round picks going on this year. But I, I would probably drop it down, you know, for the reason that Matt gave. We didn't get production in a two of the three, and that was the big deal is that we had three second-round picks, and that should really make a big difference. You know, in year three, when you review this, it's possible that you go ahead and move uh, move it back up to a high B. But we'll see what happens with it. If you know guys like you know Sims and Reed are all of a sudden contributing, and we picked them that late, then obviously that moves the grade you know probably into an A because you found starters that late again. And but that, that was Rustin Webster's whole career was that he found some you know late round guys and was actually able to start them for a while. You know they were good players, and that was everything he stood on. He made lots of terrible picks around it. I think that if Dodd can come out and contribute and if Austin Johnson can figure out whatever the hell his problem is, then this draft could be an A because we got a bunch of starters. If those two guys never produce, then probably a B-. minus. Uh, yeah, I moved it to a B. There was definitely some things I obviously liked. and you know, Jack Conklin ended up being better than, and than anybody really could have said in this first year. No one's predicting anybody's going to be an all-pro in their first year in the league. Uh, you know, Kevin Dodd and Austin Johnson, just like you guys said, 
They worry me a little bit. Uh, I still have uh, holding out hope on both players. Uh, but we didn't see it in the first year. Derrick Henry was obviously a hit. Bayard, I think, has a bright future. Uh, I'm excited to see him You know, as he keeps developing. Tajay Sharp was a fifth-round pick and our fourth-leading receiver last year. Um, you know, behind Matthews, Walker, and Murray. So he was our second wide receiver. That's why we drafted two more. Right. That, I mean, but for a fifth-round pick coming in your rookie year, and that's what I, you're doing, that's, that's impressive. I thought Sims played good at the, at the end of the season. You know, another fifth-round pick stepped up. Trey Tola we didn't see much of. Aaron Wallace, Reed didn't see a whole lot of. But, I mean, those are late-round picks. So, overall, I still think we did a really good job. I think if if Dodd and Austin Johnson come to play in this next season, this could easily jump up into an A, A-minus level draft class. That's yeah. fair. It's incomplete because we're only on year two, and normally you want three years, and two of the guys basically didn't play. So we just we, we can't judge it yet because there's two very big pieces that we don't know anything about. Yeah, at the same time, you know, we raped the Rams. and. Absolutely. You look at, you know, first of all, with that pick, in my mind, there's no doubt I go Carson Wentz over Jared Goff 10 out of 10 times. So from that aspect, they screwed themselves. But the overhaul that we got from them, if those two guys don't pan out, that's a huge hole in something that should have been. I mean, we we basically had not picks to waste, but we had so many picks from that trade that, you need this draft to pan out. If it's anything less than a B, then that's that's a failure uh, for any GM, John Robinson or not. But I do think that I have more hopes for Kevin Dodd than I do Austin Johnson, but I still think Austin Johnson can step up and be the guy that they drafted. Yeah, I mean, I think both guys can definitely make the jump. I think both guys are talented. Uh, Kevin Dodd a lot of injury issues. I hope Austin Johnson you know gets his head on right and gets back to what Everybody was saying about him when he was coming out, the hard-working mentality. You come out and you work hard with this kind of talent he has. You know, it's well, outside of injury, it's pretty hard to fail. Uh, you know, if you come out and you, and you bust your ass, you do the right things, especially in this team with this coach, with this general, man- general manager. We like guys that come out in a blue-collar attitude that want to work hard. Hopefully we see that. Adam. Hopefully we see that out of Kevin Dodd. But, you know, as you said with the the trade – I believe on the show I rated it as an A++, and I might have underrated it. That that trade, the first thing that really John Robinson did as a GM, still, I mean, you, you look at the picks that we got and, the, and what they've gotten out of Jared Goff, we made an absolute, just steal. It was just, it was legitimate trade rape. It was awesome. Uh, it still is awesome. I'm really glad that he orchestrated such a great, a great move that ended up being really good for us. All right, guys, but that's the end of the show here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back, of course, next Wednesday with some more stuff for you. Uh, remember to send stuff in the mailbag. Remember remember to check out hangten.com. That's H-A-N-G-T-N.com for the best and most unique Titans apparel you can find. Uh, thanks to my co-hosts, as always, for being great. And as always, I'm, tighten up. Tighten up. I'm gooder. I'm gooder. Gooder. He reminds me a lot of Dan Morgan, so I, I think Derek Morgan. Jesus, dude, Christ. you called him. You called him Dan Morgan a year ago too. I, I know. It's, just, it's not going <laughs> to stop. It's just that's his, he needs to retire so I can stop having to talk about him. That's the only <laughs> answer.
Thanks for listening to the Two Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.